Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. This is a extra special episode that we have today. I'm joined by Coach Tom McClure, and this is off the back of an incredible achievement where he ran 13 marathons in 13 days. And Tom, how are you, buddy? This is four. How long is this post the last marathon, by the way? What a what a recovery day four. We're film, day uh, four. We're calling this on a Thursday. Yeah, finished on Sunday, so day four. How has like, you took a little bit off air? How, how has the body been this week? Do you know what? I think in the grand scheme of things, I'm feeling quite lucky. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think I'm feeling I'm feeling okay. Um, I've still got a few niggles. I've still got a few bits that are very tight. I'm still quite tired. Not going to lie. But yeah. I think overall, I've come through this in a in a pretty good state. So so I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Amazing. Look, you. you... We'll dive into the specifics now, but just give us some an overview of the reasons that you did this and, you know, like where you're at in terms of fundraising and just give us a bit of detail on this, buddy. So I've been supporting the Movember charity for this is the third year that I've undertaken um, an endurance-based challenge. First year, I ran 60 miles. Last year, I ran 100 miles. Um, and I realized I couldn't run really any further in one go. Um, last year was a massive logistical challenge running through the night. I think I scared half of my friends and family to death at being <laughs> being awake all those hours. So I, I knew I wanted to go broader and sat down and, and spoke to the guys at November and obviously sadly looked at different statistics that were out there. Um, and sadly in the UK, 13 men a day take their own life um, due to suicide. And this is something that personally I, I feel, um, you know, we still need to have more harder conversations around removing the stigma around men and mental health. So I decided, right, well, what can I do based around the number of 13? And I thought, well, can I? And it was very much can I to begin with, can I run 13 marathons in 13 days? So I came up with the idea, I think around about September time. Um, so I didn't have too long to train for it, but we'll, we'll speak about training a little bit in a moment. But yeah, 13 marathons in 13 days was something that actually scared me. I didn't know if I could do it, but I thought what it will do is give me an opportunity to, you know, be at home every night, 
in terms of yeah. not having that logistical challenge. I'll be able to try and get as many people involved as I can in terms of on foot, on bike, being based at a gym, similar locations most days, and I could have good conversations along the along the way, raise some awareness, and try and raise you know five thousand pounds was my fundraising target for the charity November. Amazing, buddy! Amazing. Like look, we're, they say from PH and all of the, the the people that we have in our network, we're like say incredibly proud to have you as part of the team and. To see you year on year kind of push yourself is is absolutely incredible. And I say it's a, an incredible foundation, incredible movement. And, you know, people like yourself that are doing things like this is is absolutely amazing, mate. So big pat on the back. I think uh, what we'll do today is there's been some questions that have been popped on your Instagram. Rather than kind of diving, you know, dropping in and out, let's start from like almost your training. So you started in September. Thomas Dahl, 19, has asked, how often did you hit your legs while training for an ultra? Just give us an overview of what you did, well, what you have done and what you did recently, because you say you're in from September, what you did leading into this in terms of training, making yourself robust and preparing for this, for this event. So I actually ran an ultra marathon at the back end of August. It was a hundred kilometer, so at 62, 63 miles. So I actually, looking back, that formed a real base of my training in terms of having basically the biggest aerobic base that I could while still staying strong. I didn't want to drop too much weight in the summer because I knew doing anything in November, I know I'm going to drop a little bit of weight. So I wanted to keep myself strong, wanted to build at the biggest aerobic base I could. So actually that ultra marathon prep, which was a 16 week uh, program from, from the guys, Fergus and Johnny at Omnia Performance, had in it two leg training sessions per week. Uh, and I rolled that over after the the ultra as well. And what that then looked like about four weeks out was that then dropped to one leg session per week. Just as the running volume started to, to really increase in October, I started to, to do multiple days back-to-back running. So I'd run like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, then we'd do just one leg day a week. And then about two weeks out, deadlifts went off the program completely, which I was very sad to see the back of because I do love a deadlift. But yeah. it was just, it, then it's just about managing load. And, you know, the focus then, rather than trying to be kind of like a hybrid athlete, so to speak, and balance strength and endurance, I had to really become an endurance athlete. You know, I had yeah. to not have excess fatigue, be doing movements that were just putting too much strain through my whole body. I was doing a lot more single leg, a lot more isolation exercises a lot of lunges and, uh, and basically just, you know, kept the, the intensity there, but the load just kept dropping down all the way uh, until I started the, the first marathon, really. Yeah. So you, to give people some context, when you were preparing for the ultra endurance one at the end of August, how yep. many times a week were you running? I would still t- typically run like three days, sometimes four days a week. I don't think that, I think people maybe think that you'd be doing more running. No, uh, yeah, I, more than three days. Something, yeah, I, I often, when I chat to other ultra runners and they're doing like five or six days running a week, I think mm-hmm. that this is the testament to, to the, to the program that I've been given in terms of a, August and Johnny like to accumulate fatigue in other ways rather than just going out and running miles and miles and miles and miles. If yeah. you start a run already kind of pre fatigued from the day's training before, you can get a greater adaptation in running three hours on tired legs than having to run like six hours to get the effect of running on tired legs. So I found that to be, to be very beneficial in terms of then that 
you know, in terms of from a recovery point of view and my joints and things like that, only running three or yeah. four days a week, I've always found I've been able to recover from quite well. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who do endurance work know the importance of strength training, but then find it very difficult to fit it into their, into their week. Don't they? Like they don't want to train strength because, oh, it will, because they've been doing so many miles and so much impact, you know, maybe like say Monday, Tuesday, then they might try and get a strength session in on Wednesday and then, or do a run on Thursday or a lower day. And then it's a strength day Friday, but it's going to impact everything else. Like say, if you, you say segment it and reduce the volume of the days that you're doing running and prioritize strength training, you know, seeing your progress and all of the other guys that we work with in terms of Omnia, it seems to work really, really nicely. But obviously, it's, there's a lot more, there's a lot more complex than I've just made it there. Right. But I, it's really, really nice to see, you know, how how you kind of progress to, like, say, strength and endurance. So cool. So coming off the back of that, the, the, the ultra coming into training blocks and into the marathon one, like, say, you were just ramping things up. Now, getting into the actual event, you know, what was... So we have a question here, Chris Chavez Cronin, what was your fueling plan pre and during the marathons and did it change? So we did a lot of prep, didn't we? Like talking around how to actually, before the actual thing um, started, how to actually fuel this because, you know, yes, there's a, you know, with a marathon, you can be like, right, I've got, you know, three and a half to, depending on how long, how long you're going to run. I've got three and a half to five hours. I've got to fuel this kind of run. But you, we had to take a bird's eye view of it, didn't we? And think, okay, it's not just fueling one run where afterwards it kind of doesn't really matter what I'm doing because I'm going to take some time off. We had to be thinking about well, not the, you know, the bigger picture there. So mm. prior to this, what did, we, what, did, uh, what did you do? How did you prepare for this? You're right in terms of, look, this isn't one marathon. This is a 340.6 mile ultra marathon was the way I yeah. had to look at it with you know, with programmed rest in between. So yeah, yeah. fun for me was was trying to replicate as much as I can beforehand. So I, I knew what worked. And in my training plan, there were days where I was running like three days back to back. I think the peak week was like running three 20 miles. So three days running 20 miles each day back to back. And that gave me a really good opportunity to replicate what I was going to eat before I run. The idea as well each day was to start early, about half past six, seven o'clock in the morning, because that's often the time I train. It's what I'm used to. I'm used to eating before I run. I can then, you know, have the rest of the day to try and refuel, replenish, recover before going again. In terms of before a run, I didn't really change too much from what I eat running a marathon to what I'd probably eat to run a 10 mile run, which is I'll get up and I will, I will hydrate. Um, I'll put some electrolytes in my water and then I'll probably have either a bagel or two slices of sourdough with peanut butter, banana and honey. Like it's the, yeah. it's my go-to staple probably for the last like two and a half years, but I know it works. I find it very, very yeah. easy to eat. I don't get fed up with it. I think I had it every day as the 13 days without getting any kind of palate fatigue. Yeah. Um, and then during each marathon, I would work on a little bit of a sliding scale where I would start with a little bit more whole food or foods that I had to chew. I would then move into using uh, some gels and a couple of more like, like carb chews. And then I would actually end up using a lot of liquid towards the, towards the back end. In particular, I found that worked very well because although it was like mild, 
a lot of the days the sun was out and I'd find as soon as I ticked over that three hour mark and just, just running for that length of time, your core body temperature is, is just, is up and up and up and up and up and, you know, it gets about 10 degrees on the nice days, the sun's out. And actually I'd find that there was one day I didn't quite get it right. And I got a bit crumpy and the person I was running with was like, look, you've just not drunk enough water today. And I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm going to use carbs and electrolytes from that kind of 19 mile point onwards and even, yeah. and just keep pushing all the way, even until I'm done where, where typically maybe you might think in a marathon, I won't have anything in the last couple of miles because I'm nearly finished. For me, it was like, look, I'm going to keep drinking until I effectively cross the line each day to make sure that I'm finishing strong because as we know, that's going to bleed into uh, my recovery as well. Now, I, when I have... What did you post? What did you post? Post would always be wherever I was, if I was at the gym, if I'd done it in a location, etc. I would always have something before I left. Ideally, I would normally have a, a kind of protein and carb shake, whether that was something off the shelf or something I would make myself. So yeah. instantly then I've got hydration in, I've got protein and carbohydrates in. And then when I, when I get home, I would try and eat big early. So I would typically have either a smoothie would go down quite well. If I wanted to kind of eight, 900 calories in quite quickly, you know, get the smoothie made, run the bath, get in it, drink the smoothie. Or often like scrambled eggs and Marmite was just from a, from a, a flavor yeah. taste profile, a bit salty was really good with a couple of slices of toast. And then when I got out of the bath, I'd normally try and eat again yeah. because what I didn't want to do would, would be end up at the end of the day, trying to eat loads and loads of calories late in the evening. I wanted to try and have a normal meal with my wife every night, like a normal dinner together, maybe have an evening snack with some yogurt, some fruit, that kind of stuff. But I wanted to try and get the bulk of my calories in. I was trying to hit about 5,000 calories or so per day, but you know, I only tracked it for the first few days, but I did find that trying to, trying to, trying to front load it rather than trying to back end it seemed to just sit a little bit better. And I know we had a conversation, Lynn, didn't we, about from your point of view, it was more of a gut and an immune challenge, you know, keeping me healthy, looking after my gut, uh, making sure I don't get sick because, you know, if I had any of those issues, it would have made the challenge a lot harder. Yeah. And that, that goes into leading into the, into any kind of event as well. We often see that it potentially sick sickness and or illness or like you say lack of you know not so much recovery but people not feeling great because their training normally ramps up you know before you do that taper leading into an event like you said you were running t 20 miles three day three days in a row often when people do these events they have this peak and then it's usually after that that they then start to taper and they get sick or they don't feel good or the, the fatigue start to compound and you know, you really have to, you really have to look after like the micronutrients. You really have to look at, like, say, your gut, making sure that you're like, you know, eating a very good quality diet. When we talk about gut health, you know, this is about good quality food. It's about things that are going to not harm your gut. So like, you know, say that balance of you know, good quality versus not eating poor quality food. And, and making sure that you're distributing your calories, like you say, asking your digestive system to, you know, take a big load of food at 7 p.m. till 9.30 p.m. in the evening because you haven't, you know, trained, like you haven't eaten enough in the day, that places a lot of stress onto the gut. So it also then impairs your sleep. So like you said, we, we talked about what can we do and distributing calories, making sure that you're kickstarting that recovery process as early as possible. 
is a really key thing. And that goes for anyone that's doing any kind of multi-day event. You know, if you're doing a, a competition, if you're doing, like you say, back-to-back runs or you're splitting things over a weekend or three days, you've got to be thinking like, say, bigger picture and making sure that you don't just be like, because after in the event, you'd be like, oh, I'll just delay that. Oh, I've got stuff to do or I'll have a little bit. You know, that is the time to really try and like you say, flood your body with a lot of good protein, a lot of good carbohydrates, a lot of good micronutrients. And I say then start to add some fats and more veggies and fiber across the rest of the day. Say fiber for your gut, fats for the recovery and inflammation. So I think what we you did, it looked like, you know, we had a really nice kind of say structure fueling plan. But again, once you finished it, it, that, that's, that's not your nutrition done, was it? It was like, right, I've got to work at this. And I bet sometimes you didn't want to eat. And that's where using, you know, like if people are listening to this and going, oh, you had a smoothie, you had like scrambled eggs. So you had like, you know, real, like, you know, like a proper meal. You use snacks, you use like a smaller snack, such as yogurt and granola and fruits at the evening. So, you know, there's a variety of stuff there. It isn't just like, right, I've got to eat snack foods or, you just you know relied on just kind of like two square meals afterwards like a bit of variety is absolutely key good so moving on to a couple more questions were what were the psychological impacts of your marathons and how did you cope during and after may give us a yeah give from the from the mental side of things like i'm sure it was a bit of a roller coaster like just talk us through if you can you know kind of remember it really and blocks it out <laughs> some of the yeah, a bit of a process over the 13 days i think the first two or three days were quite comfortable and i yeah. i said to myself because i've done three days back to back it was almost like day four was a bit like a day one in a way so i i knew the first couple of days were going to feel okay i've run plenty of marathons before even in training so distance didn't scare me and i'd like to say because i replicated running back to back i was comfortable doing that I knew that kind of day four, five, and six was when it was really, when almost like the challenge really started. And I noticed that there'd be a certain point each evening when I would just sigh, when I would just be like, I've got to get up and do this again tomorrow. I always found the evenings tougher than the mornings. I think the mornings, because I was quite structured and quite organized and also didn't have a lot of time to sit there and think about it which i think was a good thing rather than say i'll start at nine or ten in the morning the fact that i was up and was on a kind of kind of quite a quick protocol to get you know food in hydration in get to where i'm running and start i didn't have a lot of time to think about it but it was definitely tough in, in in some of the evenings and look like day seven was silly horrific my achilles had started to check out I felt nauseous the whole run because of the pain in my Achilles. I fell over that day as well and cut my knee in front of a group of people, which was great. So my pride took the battering. I was in a lot of pain, came home, and I and I think it was the first proper wobble uh, that I'd had. And maybe also a realisation of, look, like I was finishing the, the Sunday at the end of that week and it just seemed such a long way away. Like I couldn't even begin to count it down. I couldn't even you know, visualize myself finishing. And that's where sometimes you have to, I either like to do one or two things. I either one like to try and remove the emotion of it a little bit. So often when I'm in a marathon or in a long distance run, I just look at mini wins, just breaking things down in terms of, you know, at this point in this run, I get to, I get to eat. 
in 10 minutes, I get to have a drink. In 15 minutes, I'm going to finish this lap. Or even just getting to a, a, a crossroads and the traffic lights are red so I can cross without having to stop. And just finding these little things to get me through each block, I found yeah. just, just helped me tick, tick the time away. I can't sugarcoat it. There were times where it was it was really tough to each evening to think about what I had to do the next day. But, you know, this was not only a challenge for myself, this was this was about raising awareness and the reasons behind doing it. And I think that was a bigger why. And that's something yeah. my wife said to me one evening. She was like, why are you doing this? It was almost, I thought she was having a go at me as if to say, like, well, why have you started, why have you signed yourself up for this? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, no, why, why are you running 13 marathons? And then I remembered why I'm doing it. Yeah. And that was, you know, that got me over that little hump that evening, perhaps, and made me right wake up tomorrow and realizing that I get to do this. This is this is a privilege. This is an opportunity. I have to go out and run a, run another marathon tomorrow and think about the thirteen guys tomorrow that won't ever get a chance to run a marathon. So, yeah, yeah it, it, I'm not saying this. Everyone will have different ways. I think different coping mechanisms, but I think it, it's either one remembering your why in any event, any competition you're doing when times get tough, like. It is a privilege that we get to do these things. But then also, like I say, removing the emotion from it. And I've always run in kilometers. Don't know why, but I'm always a kilometer runner. So even on my watch, I was never running to 26.2 miles. I was always running to 42.2 kilometers. And I found that, again, was a really nice thing of like, this is just my workout today. It's just to run run until it says 42.2. There was no emotion of, Oh, here's 19 miles, here's 20 miles, here comes the wall, all that kind of stuff you hear about running a marathon. It was just, I've got to go out and run 42. I've got to run four 10Ks in a bit. Even that helped, I think, psychologically, breaking it down in a different way and having less emotion around the marathon part of it, so to speak. So I think there's some incredible things to unpack on that, buddy. Talking about process, you know, you said like removing the emotion and just having it as your training session, just ticking it off. A lot of people will like you say, work on emotion, motivation, how they feel. Whereas it sounds to me that you say you had these processes in place to say, just have to commit to whether that was having it, you know, dinner with you, with your wife, having a consistent breakfast, having a consistent start time, you know, having these things like, right, I know my fueling, I know I've got to tick off 42 Ks, you know, like these little things that you just put into place and they're just processes it makes it so much easier then you kind of just getting up and not having that and kind of winging it depending on how you feel. Like, oh, I'll eat a different breakfast because I feel a bit sore today. And it's like, well, no, I know that this works and I know that I've mapped it out and I know that I'm tracking my calories to a certain extent at the start. I know I'm fueling my body correctly, so I'm just going to commit to the process. And I think I say sometimes, you know, we can be lost with that and that, you know, little, say, chimp in our head or whatever you want to call it, it starts to kind of talk to us and be like, look, maybe maybe we should do this or maybe you don't have to do this or maybe I should start a little bit later. You know, I think probably that maybe crept in to, uh, to be like, you know, getting rid of that. And Chris, again, has asked like, did you ever feel like stopping at all? And, and if so, how did you power through? And was it just like, I've got to tick these things off? Yeah, I, I guess to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, running 42.2 kilometers, as I saw it was four 10 Ks and a bit. And actually to help myself, I would, often run laps or loops each day that would be between kind of six to 10 kilometers or so. So I think that was a good way to kind of tick it off. And if I have a bad lap, you know, reset it a little bit. Why did that lap not go well? Was, you know, am I 
underdressed, overdressed, too hot, too cold, underfueled. What do I need to do to chalk it off? Also, look, support network is so powerful. Yeah. And having uh, people voice noting you, I often get a lot of my mates to send me jokes. It sounds really silly, but it's a nice little distraction just to have something to, to chuckle along to. Having someone run on along next to you or someone on a bike is is incredible because it's a distraction a lot of the time. I often just say to people, look, yeah. just talk at me, like, or we'll have a yeah. chat about something completely different to, to running. I don't often want to talk about how I'm feeling. I want to talk about the game last night, what you had for dinner, how your family are. Talk to me about your work, something like that can, can get me round another lap and we can just tick it off. The only day where I thought I was in trouble was day 10, where I was forced to stop physically uh, by my right quad that just, it was getting tighter and tighter and tighter. So I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll do a little walk, jog strategy just to kind of get myself back and get this lap ticked off and kind of reset and go again. And I just almost ground to a halt. The, it just completely checked out of me. It almost mm. tightened up to the point I couldn't bend my leg. And at that point, it was like, I don't even know how I'm going to finish this marathon, let alone the three to come after it. So kind of made the decision to walk as far as I could distance-wise that day. And then, you know, kind of talking it out with people as I was doing it, I was like, right, well, why don't we just pause where we're at? Look, I've got I've said I'm going to run a marathon in a day. There's no time limit here. There's no time cap. I haven't yeah. got to do it in one hit. Let's pause. Let's refuel. Let's recharge. Speak to my physio. Use that support network that I've got. Yeah. And then in the evening, you know, it, it was, it's the one time I've, I've put a, I put a video up after I'd finished walking six miles with poles on the, on the internet. I got my phone was going bananas. People were really panicking and, you know, worried I'd, I'd seriously injured myself. I was, I was all right, but. I actually got a lot of strength from that strength and adversity sometimes and, and exposing yourself to something that's difficult as long as it's safe, as long as you don't do no harm. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. you can gain a lot from that, that right, if I can get through this, then it gives me the opportunity to go again tomorrow. That's all I could think in my head was I get this one ticked off. I get to go again tomorrow. What were the diagnosis on the leg? Where my, obviously my Achilles were just working overtime you know I was doing 50 60,000 steps per day on them I'd never had Achilles trouble ever before actually so it was very strange to have Achilles issues but it's just the overload of doing what I was doing <laughs> my right knee is a little bit weaker than my left I've got an old like little meniscus injury and again just because of everything just being kind of ramped up to yeah. a thousand percent it was just checking out it was just getting really really tight and it was just getting tighter and tighter and tighter I did have treatment on it, did have sports sports massage on it just to try and alleviate some of the tightness. But the protocol that the the physios and the sports therapists gave me was, look, Lynn, Liam, you might know a little bit about this as well, is that, look, if you've got a professional footballer or a professional sportsman and they want them to play three times per week and they need that player to play, you almost want to, want to try and keep your body out of going full recovery mode. You want to keep it warm. You want to keep them mobile. You want to... Basically, you just want to try and keep the body in that sense of it's got to go again. It's got to repeat what you're asking it to do. So people were going, oh, are you ice bathing it? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Whereas actually, it was all about warmth. It was all, yeah. you know, so it was deep heat. We're going to put a compression bandage on it. We're going to give you a, you know, a, a mobility kind of massage, going to keep the joints nice and warm and you should be all right. And I was all right. So I couldn't have done that on my own. 
so again, having that support network for these kind of challenges, I feel is so, so, so important that sometimes you need to know where, where you need to outsource stuff. And I know my body quite well, but having professionals look at me, I don't think I could have finished this challenge without having them there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, buddy. Look, there was always going to be times, wasn't there, over it where the body kind of pushed back to a little bit and you you have to manage it. Like everyone, I think, especially as we get a little bit older, you know, it's it's harder, isn't it? It's hard. You're always going to get these niggles and it, it it's something being very, very slightly out when you're doing this level on this volume is always going to kind of exacerbate that. So, um. I was worried, like say, with, with the Achilles more than the quad. I was like, when he started to kind of say that early on, I was like, oh, mate, like this, it's hard because you, you can't, can't do anything. You've got to, got to load the Achilles so much over the next, I think it was like, what, day four, day five? You started to feel it, maybe day seven, maybe? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's halfway. Like, you know, it's going to be tough to, to get that through. But, mate, like say, outsourcing it, mental kind of, fortitude to get through looking after your body that's uh, incredible buddy mate would you we've got a uh question here active addict 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 active addict abs um it's a mouthful would you do it again oh <laughs> i could have answered that you like a challenge but they said what would you do next i mean look you, I, I know that it's like you come off the back of it you're like i'm not even thinking about what doing next Normally, you just want to do a bit of bench press, then, yeah? It's just yeah. like arms. <laughs> it, it's fu- funny you should say it because normally, as soon as you know what I'm like, as soon as I finish any race or challenge, particularly with November, like say where I've done three years in a row, I'm already thinking about what's next. I'm never thinking about it while I'm in it because I have to respect what I'm doing. And people would ask me during, during this year, what are you doing next year? I'm like, I'm, I'm just worrying about what I'm doing today and tomorrow to begin with. I'm not worrying about yeah. a few days' time. But I know that, you know, last year I ran probably the furthest I can go in one hit. This year I probably run the the furthest multiples that I can do. And I think whether it's luck, whether it's uh, whether it's being diligent, whatever it is that has made me get to this point after three years that I've not failed anything that I've done. And I have to be realistic with myself in terms of how would I actually deal with failure? Is it yeah. better to finish on a high and, you know, cap this trilogy off? Mm. And I also have to be respectful of my friends and my family and my wife that this was a very long two weeks for people on the outside as well. You know, it was a a daily thing of like, where's Tom on the tracker? Where's he running today? Particularly the days that I got home and had wobbles that like that was all on my wife. Like she was the one there behind the scenes. She's the unsung hero in all of this to kind of pick me up, dust me down and send me out every day. So I have to be very aware of that in terms of if I want to undertake something for November again, maybe it's more about, right, well, how can I bring people together? How can I make those conversations, make those group runs, people on the bikes, all those things that we did? How can we, how can we multiply that? How can we get more people in in one room or one space? Because that, that was really powerful this year for me. I don't think it always has to be about me putting myself putting myself yeah. in the bin very good um, yeah very good because I, I at some point my body will kick back harder than it did this year um yeah. someone asked me on the last day would i rather do 100 miles or do 13 marathons again and i would take the 100 miler not willingly definitely but yeah. this was a this was a huge two weeks and I, I couldn't go further or broader or longer so i'm kind of there so 
it's probably time to change tack to do something a little bit different and maybe even have a year off from November fundraising, like focus on, on other things next year, do things in a different way and then come back to it. Maybe like say with a different stance, a different focus point. Yeah, I think you're right, buddy. The the group and the community side of things, it, I think there's a lot to explore there and I think that could be really powerful. And I also think that there's, there is a limit, like in a way, like you can't just keep going further and longer and for more days, like, you know, there is a limit. So like I say, changing tact is probably the, the next challenge, isn't it? And, and really? mapping that out to, to be able to say like, we're still going to do something. Maybe it's not two weeks, maybe it's one day <laughs> or a couple of days. Let's like say less impact on the family, less impact on friends and support network, but also say potentially going down that route of bringing the most powerful thing, which is community and bringing people together and raising awareness that way. So I think there's a lot to, to be done there. But mate, the last three years, it's been incredible to be part of the journey, to, to witness it from behind the scenes to, to be following you and, and what you've done over the last three years like you say whatever you do next year buddy should be incredibly proud i'm sure you are that you've raised awareness you've raised money you put things on the map in terms of men's health it's been it's been wicked mate so like you say big big achievement and yeah enjoy enjoy for the next well endure the the soreness for the next <laughs> probably you're gonna be sore for the next week still Hopefully, as I say, you can get back to, to enjoying some form of training, the Achilles and the quad and the knees and everything else and start to, to recover well. But um, fantastic, mate. Thank you so much for the chat. And like you say, the, the, the money you've raised is incredible. Can people still donate? Yes. Yeah, I think they can donate up until I think it's like the 8th or 10th of December, something like that. So, Perfect. yeah. Yeah, still. Go check out Tom's socials. Go take, yeah, check out Tom's socials and you know, support the Movember charity in any way you can because... Uh, we're actually recording this on the 30th of November. So this is coming to the end of, of this month. And I've been involved doing some mental talks across different things across the whole, you know, I think I've done about nine talks in mean, different different ways now, um, different companies. And it's been really incredible. Like it's always a, a, a fantastic time for me. I'm not, I'm sitting behind a laptop talking about mental rather than running 13 marathons. <laughs> That's, that suits my body a little bit better. Uh, but it's been it's been wonderful and November do an incredible and not just November you know all the people involved in terms of raising the awareness for mental health is fantastic so um, yes go check out Tom's socials if you, if you can donate do it's been incredible to say watch it buddy thank you so much for explaining and coming on the podcast and we look forward to you saying seeing seeing your training back to maybe a bit of bench and biceps for leaving yeah, Christmas oh yeah Top man thanks for listening everyone um, thank you for supporting the podcast thank you for supporting Tom if you've been following him and we'll catch you on the next episode mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.